and he saith to every one that he is a fool. We talked about the, the verse number one there where, you know, good people do dumb things, you know, a great person, wisdom, honor, and he does something, does one thing bad, then he's kind of pegged. We do that a lot today, don't we? Might be a great guy, all of a sudden you fall or you trip or you do something, and all of a sudden, man, that, that's the way they remember you. You're that guy that did that. Verse number three, yea, also, when he is a fool, walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him. Have that ever happened to anybody in here? Your wisdom faileth you? And uh, everybody knows. He saith to everyone that he's a fool. He doesn't say it out loud. They just see it in you. You don't walk around saying, I'm a fool. But they, they kind of read that in you. I've done some dumb things and said some dumb things in meetings before. You ever do that before? I was in a, when I was really too young of an officer, I was in a meeting with a general there or something. I was in this stupid maintenance meeting there. and I don't know what I said, what I said, but they said something. I disagreed with something that a colonel said just because I thought I knew a lot. And this one star, this one star says, I disagree with your disagreement. <laughs> what do you say to that? Okay. I don't know why he even spat it off. I didn't know what I was talking about. But anyway, they saw that I was a fool that day. So, yeah, boy, learned quick. So, so the fool's heart is lacking. Talking about the fool here, and we're going to talk about the rest, the rest of this chapter and part of the next chapter. The fool's heart is lacking. Uh, the fool cannot conceal himself. Therefore, the fool's inner deficiency, or whatever makes him a fool, comes out in the open for all to see. And we've seen folks like that. A lot of them are politicians. A lot of them are on TV a lot. A lot of them, I don't want to go any further than that, but they're elders. But a lot of them don't know what they're talking about. And, and you can see right through them. Now, the next several verses look at folly in high places. Let's look at verses 4 through 7. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. We saw this verse back when we were looking at chapter 8. Verse 5, for there is an evil which I have seen under the sun as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low place. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. Let's look at these verses here about folly in high places. The whole section about wisdom and folly in this verse and in verse number 20 kind of gives a hint of a command. It's kind of a, you know, there's some authority here. And uh, the, the command here is followed by, by some, some reasons here. Uh, the spirit of the ruler, verse 4, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, don't just leave. Don't leave thy place, for yielding uh, pacifieth great offenses. We've talked about this before. Your boss is mad at you. What should you do? Quit? Run? Say something stupid and have a general correct you? What should you do? Uh, you should just be quiet. Yielding pacifieth great offenses. Great offenses. If the spirit of a ruler is up against thee, uh, uh, one to whom you're sub subject to, that wrath may break out as being furious, but if you just kind of cool it, 
and just ride through it, it's going to settle down. Then they'll, they'll be back to their okay sort of person. I was a young officer, young W-1 officer. I was an E-5 one day, then I was a warrant officer the next. Big change in my life. And, and they called us W-1s, wobbly ones. <laughs> and there was a reason for that, because we were wobbly. I mean, I didn't know nothing. I was a sergeant working in a shop. Then I was in Germany in a combat mechanized uh, engineer battalion, 685 pieces of equipment. And I was the maintenance technician. And I was the guy that had to watch all the shops. And when they ordered parts, I had to make sure they had the right part ordered and what the status of it was. And we were, you know, we were a frontline unit. We had four line companies and a bridge company. I was lost. And I was had about an eight-hour learning curve. I had to brief the executive officer of the battalion on the maintenance status. Every day I had to do that. Name was Major Conda. And he was kind of a jerk. jerk. He was a really, a, really a bad guy. And uh, well, I'd go up there and brief status, you know, and, and, and he's always, well, what are you doing about this? What are you doing about that? Major, I didn't, I didn't break the equipment. I'm trying to help you understand what you, you know. What we're doing about getting it fixed. I didn't, I didn't break, not my fault. I didn't break. But he'd eat my lunch every night. One day I bought him a cheeseburger. Just because someone told me I should. And I did. He kind of smiled. Then he chewed me up again. I mean, it was every day. He just ate me up. What are we doing? What are we doing? How come we can't get this part? Don't know. You know? I mean, don't know. <laughs> but we had to keep a certain level of readiness. And he when it got below that, everybody was in a tizzy. I was in a tizzy in Mundo. I mean, it was bad. They had to just, man, it was a terrible, it was a stressful three years, wasn't it? Yeah, it was terrible. Man, bad, bad way to break in. But yeah, it was, we were out in the field all the time and just constant. Train never stopped, never slowed down. It was bad. But he was those guys that I was sub in subjection to, and I had to put up with that stuff every night. Finally, he left, and somebody real came in and was a, was a pretty good guy, but he was just, man. He got promoted to lieutenant colonel, I think is what happened to him, and he ran off to destroy some other unit or something like that. <laughs> just hard to deal with. Just ridiculous, and, you know, boy. So you have to just kind of go through that sometimes, don't you? I've had other bosses that, you know, that I, I've got along with everybody, but some of them just, you know, they're stressed out because they got to answer to their boss and they, they want answers and they don't have them. You know, the parts are on the way. Check is in the mail. And then, of course, the wrong one gets there. It's, and on, order. it's on order. That's right. I mean, we ordered a part one time and got an M1 tank firing pin. You're not supposed to have those. They keep those in a safe. They don't keep, they don't keep them in a tank. They keep them in a safe, and the tank goes out to the range, and they give you the firing pin for it. They don't, they don't keep them in the tank. Just in case someone has a tank round in their back pocket, they don't want you to, you know, <laughs> shoot it. But they kept those things in the safe, and I got one in the mail. I got one through the parts. I opened it up and said, what is this? And we had a couple tanks, and my unit had tanks in it, smaller, smaller tanks. That was like a firing pin. And I got on to call another warrant officer, and he was an armament guy. He says, oh, how'd you get that? It's illegal to have that. Here. <laughs> you want? <laughs> Me don't want. You want? So yeah, I had to fill out some form, forms for that one. Boy, that was, that was bad. Then I got around to the word. The major said, how do you get the firing? What would you order? So we ordered something silly, just a silly thing. And all of a sudden, I guess the part number or something crossed over. Somebody, I've got a firing pin. 
He says, I bet those guys are trying to get a firing pin and can't even get a firing pin. I said, you're probably right, sir. Yeah. But I got one. I'm going to have the only one. Yeah, it was, it was bad. So I had to deal with these guys that just, you know, just are hard to deal with. And, boy, you got to just put up with it. Yielding pacifier, it's great offense. You're just bearing up under it. And that's how you build character sometimes. You just got to deal with that and build up character. Don't get mad. Just, just roll with it. Right. Usually has nothing personal, usually, but they're just expressing their frustration. And it just kind of rolls down. And I go back to my shop and beat up my sergeant. How come we can't get? No. I don't. You know, that's the way it works out. Everybody just kind of rolls down. Here you go. You're next. So his wrath will subside in time, and when it does, he'll be pacified, and, and everything will be fine. Uh, verse number five, there is an evil which I have seen under the sun as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. Now, anytime we've, he says he's seen something, what has he done? He's seen it. He's seen this happen, Okay. There's an evil which I have seen under the sun as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. This passage is kind of tied to verse number four. Um, it's concerned with folly and national leadership. Like verse six. Folly is set in great dignity and the rich sit in low place. We talked about in chapter number nine, time and chance. Remember that? We talked about those two things, time and chance. Uh, so this verse number six, folly is set in great dignity and the rich sit in low place. We're talking about rich in wisdom, not necessarily in money. Men with opportunity, great dignity, that's what that means, opportunity, uh, are in high positions. They may be the unworthy favorite. The unworthy favorite, and they're in the high place, and a guy that is rich in wisdom, he's down low. Because the favorite guy, they like him. He put him in a high place. Did I tell you that Ecclesiastes is current today? Yeah. Did I mention that back? Remember when I did the first beginning of this, of this book? Ecclesiastes is current any day. <laughs> it's current today. That's right. There are people rich in wisdom that can't get their voice out. And folks that are just... Uh, favorite get in a high place and then what happens happens Men's, men with resources though the rich and wisdom lack this opportunity for whatever reason they sit in a low place verse 7 I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth uh, in this illustration you kind of got to look back in the preacher's time in the situation where the the noble person usually sits on the horse. That was a sign of wealth and power, having a horse. Uh, and the servants walked along the side. Now that's reversed. That's all turned around. Uh, the dignitaries of the present life are elevated, and the worthy are pressed down. They got a word for that these days. Starts with an E. E-Q-U-I-T-Y. Equity. Equity. Yeah, no matter who is going to put you up here because you think you're good, and then the guy that's good, we're not going to 
Anyways, he mentioned that back in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 7. And that's kind of what it means. It's reversed. People that should be on a horse are walking down beside. People that are walking down beside are riding a horse. How does that happen? Verses 8 through 11 talks about the, um, the consequences of folly. And it's uncertain whether these little proverbs apply to the passage we just read. It's not really clear. It's more general in nature. Let's look at verse number 8. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Vindictiveness has its own built-in penalties, doesn't it? I'm going to do something to so-and-so. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to backfire. Uh, all these plans we make sometimes to trip people up, sometimes they backfire. Or people do it and they backfire. The, the malicious endeavors of men, often willful, requiring much trouble, diggeth a pit, have a rebound effect. It might be the opposite of what they anticipated. You fall into that pit. I'm going to dig this big hole. I'm going to cover up. Someone walks by and then I'll fall into it. And you get up on top of it and all of a sudden, ah, you fall into it and here you are. And so it kind of backfires on you. He falls into a pit where he breaks a hedge, and guess what's behind the hedge? A snake, and he gets bit. It's kind of like, remember the book of Esther? I always call it Ether, Ether. I don't know why I do that, Ether, or Easter. Book of Esther, remember, remember Haman was building a gallows? And he got the road tested. <laughs> he got hung in that very same gallows, didn't he? Yes, he did. You have to check it out. Verse number nine, whoso remove a stone shall be hurt with therewith, and he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. It may be that even the more constructive activities like, like quarrying rock and, and chopping down wood uh, uh, are safer than some of these malicious activities we saw in verse number eight. But these two things here, it's, it, they're talking about, don't, they're, they're kind of warning against the false assumption, I'll be safe doing this. And you may be in more danger than what you think. Verse 10, if the iron be blunt, he that, not, he that do not wet the edge, then, must, then he must put forth more strength, but wisdom is profitable to direct. So if you have a wet, if you have a dull saw or an axe or a knife, just wet it. Take it home, spray it down, <laughs> and it'll be sharp. He's talking about a whetstone, isn't he? Yeah. You got a it takes less effort with a sharp tool than it does with a dull tool. I am the verbal and the visual aid for that. Yeah, I've used dull stuff before. Man, this isn't very sharp. What I need to use is a hammer and a chisel. Smack. Crash, bang, split. Yeah, that's why I can't do it, honey. I broke it. The tool is defective. No, the tool, the guy behind the tool was defective. The tool was, <laughs> tool was fine. I just had to sharpen it. But that's, a, that's just a proverb there. It takes more effort to use a dull tool than it does, you know, to use a sharp one. But wisdom is profitable to direct. The painstaking aspect of wisdom. A wise man prepares his tools. Thoughtfulness brings forth more success than brute force. Verse 11, 
Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and the babblers know better. I like this one here. Anybody ever seen those snake charmers anywhere? I've never seen one, but I've seen them on TV before. You know, snake comes up here. They must have had them back then, of course. And uh, uh, the serpent will bite without enchantment. If you don't keep that guy, I don't know what that enchanting does, measurements them, I don't know what they kind of music, I don't know what they do, but somehow the snake is okay with that. But if he's up here and you stop, what happens? I don't know. I wouldn't want to, I'd, I'd keep playing. <laughs> Play something in reverse so he goes back down. I don't know, I don't know how you get him back in that little basket. I don't know, I don't know what you got to do, you know, but he's out there now and you got to keep playing something. You go, oh, here, come take over real quick. You know, what do you do? You know? <laughs> Oh, there must be another song you got to play. <laughs> Settle down now in your little basket. I don't know what you got to play, but it says here, you know, if it will bite without being enchanted. Uh, if you're handling a snake, that's a difficult matter. You don't want to be inattentive in that. Because the snake will let you know. Keep playing. <laughs> you know, I like that song. <laughs> and if you don't, eh, the snake can bite you. Slackness may nullify an inherent skill. That's a wise thing to say. A babbler is no better. Let's look at the fool's talk, verses 12 through 14. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. All wisdom writings, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, others, eventually get to the tongue. Eventually talk about how we speak and what we say. The character of one's speech is the acid test of wisdom. Look at James chapter number three. Let's look at a few verses here. James talks about the tongue. Let's look at verses 4 through 6. James chapter 3, 4 through 6. Behold, also the ships which, though they be great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And a tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So it is a tongue among our members that it defieth the whole body and setteth uh, on fire the course of, the, of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. we got to watch what we say sometimes. People that just blabber and, and babble uh, can, um, well, back in the Army, we used to call it uh, writing checks your body can't cash. You ever hear that before in the Navy? Yeah. Start smart-mouthing. So you're writing checks with your mouth your body can't cash. I thought that was an army thing, I guess, a military thing, I guess. Huh? Yeah, yeah. How do these things get around the different services? I don't know how that happens. Yeah. Started at the army. Must have, yeah, because we have a lot of guys that are, <laughs> that are talkers, you know. <laughs> Big mouths start talking. Yeah. But it's talking about the, our, our, our words can, can put us, you know, can show that you're a fool, but also it can, uh, it, it can, uh, are, are gracious, but the lips of a fool can swallow up himself, can swallow uh, 
can condemn. Your lips of a fool will swallow himself up. The words may consume a fool's reputation. All right, it may impact uh, for good. Uh, let me just read uh, Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that may minister grace unto the hearers. We start talking about things, especially people up behind pulpits start talking about things, and they don't know what they're talking about. It can damage some folks, can it? It can hurt some people. Uh, Matthew 12, 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. That's not an amen. That's an oh my. Yeah, boy. You've got to watch what we say sometimes and how we say it. Verse 13. The beginning of words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. The source of foolish talk is, stra is, is, is traced now to that inner man, that inner being, that inner character we have. That's where it starts at. And, and it was talked about in chapter 9 and this part of, part of chapter 10 here. The end, it says here, is it's, it, it, its outcome is mischievous madness, morally perverse. We've got to watch what we say. And what else? How... We say it. You say the right thing in the wrong way. Have you ever done it before? You ever try to hide it somebody and they go, what are you talking about? What do you mean by that? Especially these days. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm not trying to say you're high. I'm just trying to say hello. Don't get offended. I'm just trying to be nice. But I'll stop in your case. I mean, you know, what do you do? They just, people don't care. But you got to watch how you say it and watch what you say. Um, I had a lot of problems with that in the, with the buses. Talk to a driver about a problem. They write stuff up. You know, they write there on the, we have a little form they got to fill out, defect report. You know, basically bus broke. Okay, we'll spend the next eight hours and four guys, we'll get on that thing. We'll try to figure out what it, no, I get out and find the driver when they're on, you know, coming off shift. What do you mean by this? What do you mean what I mean? <laughs> what, what's broke about the bus? What is defective? What, what prompted you to write this? Because you're supposed to. No, no, I know why you did it because you're supposed to. But what did you mean by it? I mean, it's not acting. It's not writing. It's not writing right. It's not doing something right. It didn't sound, it, something's wrong with it. He'd be more specific. I mean, is it a lack of power, lack of this, steering? You know, you go through the whole thing, every system. What is it? It just doesn't feel right to me. I wonder if the problem is in the bus. <laughs> and then I have to walk away because they're already gone. You know, we had, you know, 100-something buses, and the next one doesn't feel right like the last one did because it's four years old or who knows what it was. It doesn't feel the same, so now we've got to get them all the same. But yeah, it's the stuff I do all the time. you got to watch what you – people just get really – what do you mean by that? Nothing personal, just I'm trying to do the job here, you know? But we're trying to, you know, interpret hieroglyphics here. Bus broke. No kidding. We used to write, to write notes back to them. I had to stop doing that because I got HR on me. Bus smokes. We tried to patch. It just doesn't work. <laughs> you know? <coughs> Brakes squeal. Yeah, we tried to oil them, but it won't stop as well. We do all kinds of stupid stuff. Like, you know, we just... Because you're getting this, this, uh, you know, you get so frustrated with them. 
They squeal so you know they're working. I mean, how do you know they're not working unless they squeal? That's what I tell them. There's all kinds of problems with that. Just they don't like this, they don't like that, you know. And anyways, enough of that. But yeah, people, boy, it's hard. Especially when you're a smart aleck like me. I mean, HR comes walking down, you know, hey, Kurt, how you doing? Hey, you want to lighten up on uh, I mean, if you saw the stuff I saw every day and read the stuff that I read every day, you'd get a little bit cynical, too. You know, it's just the way it is. Sorry. Can't talk to the driver, though. They get all offended, so you've got to write a note back to them. You know. Please be more specific and, and detailed in your assessment of your defects. You know. Pretty hard to do. Anyways, enough of that. Verse 14, the, the, a fool is also full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him. Who can tell him? The preacher now points to the, the arrogance of a fool's speech. His words are not founded on wisdom and knowledge. You don't know what he's talking about. We've got people in politics that just talk around in circles. They call it word soup or something. They just start saying stuff. You have no idea what they're talking about or where they're going or what they're basing it on. They have no knowledge of things present. No man can give knowledge of the future, but he speaks it with conviction. Like it's really going to happen. There's an old saying, you might have heard it. It's better to remain silent at the risk of being thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Verse 14. Verse 15, the fool's incompetence. The labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them because he knoweth not how to go to the city. The subject passes from speech to deeds, what he's doing. Any form of toil or labor, the fool finds to be wearisome. And the result is incompetence. They just don't have the heart into it, do they? And, you know, I, I, I've, went, I've been around that. People just don't really care. They don't give it their best, and, and they're, they're incompetent. They're, they're, they're foolish. They don't, they don't care. They're incompetent. They have ignorance of things that they should know how to do. We've already talked about slothfulness in this book. And that's one of the main characteristics of this kind of a fool. This fool, he, he just doesn't get it. The moral and intellectual laziness leads to a stumbling, fumbling, and crumbling life. Verse 18. You can look at it for a second. By much slothfulness, the building, what? Decayeth. And through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. So he's talking about you got to stay on stuff. you got to be smart about things. Folly in national life. The preacher has viewed wisdom and folly in the bearing upon the nation as a whole. Now the crucial part of this issue is declared as he weighs up the two ways of life, which he points uh, to two national destinies. Let's look at verse number uh, 16. There's a woe way. Woe to thee, O land, when the king is a child and thy princes eat in the morning. Turn back to 1 Kings chapter 3. 
Or turn up to First Kings chapter. No, turn back. Which way should you turn back? Right. There we go. First Kings chapter number uh, three. A good example is Solomon. First Kings chapter. What does Solomon recognize right off the bat? Yeah, he didn't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. I have no idea. I can't even come in or out. First uh, Kings chapter three verse seven. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made me, has made uh, thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. That was wisdom right there. Amen. God saw that. He didn't come in like most of those guys. I'm the king now. I'm going to change everything. He said, I don't know how to even go out or come in. I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. That's the kind of nation leader that you need to have someone that realizes that they need wisdom a mature leader maturity has nothing to do with age don't let the word fool you the world word child doesn't refer to age but maturity in the bible usually in most places maturity you can be an older guy and not be very mature not be very wise you can be a younger guy and be real sharp, mature, yeah. wise beyond your years. Yeah, that's not me, but I know folks like that. Uh, Blessed art thou, verse 17, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. So in verse number 16, the princes were eating up everything. They were drunk all the time. They, they were dangerous. Verse 17, blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. Son of nobles, whose position in society enables him to, to think and be bold with an independent spirit. Not being young or old, but between being mature and immature in their style of leadership. You've seen brand new leaders, NCOs. Boy, sometimes you got to see if you can detune them a little bit. I mean, they're a regular guy, and all of a sudden they get promoted, and boy, bing, bing, bing. You know, they, they are changed. It goes right to the head. You know, I mean, big head. And they, they boy, what happened to you? And now here I am. I'm in charge. And yeah, how do I turn this off? How do I get in there and deprogram them? Or, you know, you gotta, you got to educate them. Just because you have the stripes doesn't mean folks won't die. you gotta, yeah. got to train them. I had to go to all kinds of leadership classes. And, uh, you know, you, and be able to learn all these different styles, the authoritarian style. That's the guy you got to watch out for. I'm in charge now. Things are going to be different. And we say, oh, yeah, we know that. We can tell that right off, buddy. Yeah. Boy. Wonder what it's going to be next. Yeah. So you want this mature leader that, that, that understands what's going on and can approach people in a mature way. It's valuable for national wisdom. It's valuable for self-control. 
I'm worried about our self-control in this nation. I really am. I really am. Um, talking about drinking in the early hours of the day is marked by a depraved, slothful approach to life, a life of luxury and self-indulgence. Uh, these pleasures should be enjoyed in a state of strength, not in a state of drunkenness. There's a time for maybe drinking if you drink, but not first thing in the morning. And it ends up to where you spend all your resources, all your wealth, taking care of all your indulgences, and then you have to oppress the people to get more money. Hmm. Did I mention this was a current as of today, this book? Yeah, that happens, doesn't it? Right. Sure it does. Verse 18 again. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. The house. The house droppeth through. Start speaking it, speaking it in the old English. Everything's got a TH at the end of it. <laughs> speaketh in old English. So. Yeah, so it's kind of hard not to do that sometimes. Another value for national wisdom is self-control. Don't be overindulgent. Don't be out of control. Sluggishness of the fool results not in divine judgment, but the more subtle judgment of a steady decay, steady decline. They've got to pay attention to everyday things. Or they break. Things fall off. Things rust. Things do all kinds of things. You've got to keep on stuff. One of the joys of home ownership that I have found to be a little bit annoying sometimes. You've got to be on that stuff all the time. Can't wait till it breaks sometimes, can you? Unless you want about 400 gallons of water on your floor. Stuff has to get attended to. And you got to plan for things. you got to anticipate things. I'm anticipating my water heater. It's about 12 years old, which is about three years longer than it should be in there probably. I don't know. I'm just waiting for it to break. Then you got to call the guy on a weekend. Then it's an emergency. Then they charge you a lot of money. But you change it before it breaks. And then you can sell a used water heater. <laughs> Not really. Anyways, <clears throat> you may try. Verse 19, a feast is made for laughter and wine made for merry, but money answereth all things. It's kind of a difficult verse, but basically it says the, the, for frivolity, they, they make bread and the wine they rejoice in living, but the money is limited. It runs out. The more you waste, it runs out unless you can tax the people, oppress the people. And they waste it on things. Then you're forced to squeeze it out of people by oppressing them. Verse number 20. Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Ever hear the saying, a little birdie told me, Ecclesiastes 10.20, that's where it came from. A little birdie told me, yeah. And it's a wizard. Don't, don't, um, don't curse the king. Not even in your thought. Guilty. Anyways, you got to watch what you say, who you say it to. 
And these people today are serious about that, aren't they? I mean, boy, if you voted for the wrong guy last time, they, they're after you. I mean, if you say the wrong thing, they come after you. It's just, it's just scary sometimes what they, they may do if you're somebody and you say something. They, they may come after you. They may take exception to what you said. Uh, it says here in verse, uh, in chapter, uh, in Romans chapter 13, let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. The powers, the authorities that we have today, those positions, I like to call them as positions and not people, I may be wrong, but the thing of the hierarchy, God put that in place. He put that there. He put it there back in Moses' day. Remember, Moses was trying to take care of all these people's problems. He said, hey, why don't you get some judges? Why don't you get some people, some elders? Take some of the load off. That's what he did. So, uh, But these people back then, he, he was talking about these people had the power to oppress you. Watch what you're talking about. Somebody might hear you. A bird of the air shall carry the voice. And that which hath wings shall tell the matter. A little birdie told me that you said thus and so. I've used that before. Yeah. No, it was a duck, Kurt. He said, you're a quack. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, <laughs> you know, that's a common saying. I don't know if it's common today, but people, a little birdie told me that, uh, you know, I know something you know. You're not, you're not supposed to know that I know it, but I know it. So pay me now. Or, you know. They can use that against you. They, they got something on you. Then you got to watch it. Work is so political. It really is. And I never wanted to be in politics. I never liked politics. But, boy, it's political. They start talking about having alliances at work. They didn't say that. Well, we're trying to build up some alliances here so we can get this thing changed. Is it alliances? What is that? I ain't any part of that nonsense. Really didn't want to be part of that stuff. Amen. It's like some game show or something. You know, I don't want to build alliances with anybody. You know, we can have, you know, that, that, there's a word for that. It rhymes with click. That's what alliances are. They're clicks. And they think they have some power. And they, they start doing things. And they're wrong. It's bad. Stay away from that stuff. You don't want to be part of a click or a a subgroup or something, that's bad. Amen. Really dangerous. It's political, but it's it's just bad. It can backfire on you. We'll stop here. And next week we'll start off on uh, chapter 11. Next to the last chapter. Chapter 11 is only 10 verses long. Then we'll be in chapter 12. Word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for the lesson. Father, pray God you bless our services today, Lord. Pray God you bring folks in this morning, Father, and pray God you bless our services, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.